in Midway. Isn't it, it's great for us to be able to sing that song together to remember what we have in store for us that we get to spend eternity lifting up praise to uh, our great God. As, as I mentioned in the children's message, we're going to be in Lamentations this morning. So if you'd grab your Bibles, please, or pull out your devices and go to Lamentations 3. We'll be focusing on verses 17 through 26. I'm going to read it all together at once, and then we're going to break it down in a section by section. Let's read Jeremiah 3, 17 through 26. This is what it says. It says, my soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. And so I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Now, these songs of lament um, were written by the author as he reflects on the lowest point in the Old Testament story. Um, After Solomon, uh, the kingdom of Israel was split into two kingdoms, And the northern kingdom of Israel had already been conquered, uh, judged by the Lord, and conquered by Assyria in 722. And then about 130 years later, the southern kingdom of Judah is also going to be judged and conquered uh, by Babylon. And along with the southern kingdom of Judah, um, there's Jerusalem and the temple. And so that's why I said this is the lowest point in their history, because at this point, everything that they had known is now gone. And the writer of Lamentations is writing these laments because his sorrows were real. The book of Lamentations is a reminder for us that our capacity for joy as humans is huge, but also, so also is our capacity for sorrow. In these experiences of sorrow, as this man is feeling the anguish of everything being taken away from him, what is his response? What is he to do? And that's really what we've been trying to understand here in the year 2020. We started off the year with Pastor Dean asking us to examine ourselves, to make sure that we have a clear and biblical perspective as we approach life. And then after that, after we've already started thinking, we want to have a clear biblical perspective. 2020 gets crazy and we get covid And now we have issues of social injustice that are raging in our world. But beyond those things, those are the things that grab the headlines, right? But beyond those things, we know that there's so much more going on in our personal lives. We know that that you may be experiencing loneliness or some other kind of sickness, or you may have lost a job, or things might not be going the way you had expected so far this year. Maybe there's unmet expectations or struggles in your marriage or just general worry or feeling overwhelmed. Whatever those things are, we know that those things are very real. We know that there's a lot going on. And maybe 
you know, maybe so far for you, 2020 has been a breeze. You know, maybe, you know, you haven't really dealt with all this. Maybe you haven't really felt too worried or overwhelmed by all these things. Well, this message is still for you this morning because you probably know somebody who's going through those things. And even if not, this is an opportunity for you to prepare for a future time um, of suffering. So in the first three chapters of Lamentations, the writer is recounting the trouble that he's faced. He's tempted to succumb to despair. We see this in verses 17 through 20. Let me read those again. It says, my soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. You can see he's tempted to succumb to despair. I say my strength has perished and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. He says, there's no peace for me right now. There's no happiness right now. I don't have endurance right now. I don't have hope right now. I'm afflicted. I'm confused. Everything is bitter. But there's a problem with this type of remembering. He's rehearsing in his mind over and over again these afflictions, and that leads him into further hopelessness. Unchecked, unchecked, our minds can focus on the darkness and spiral in to more and more hopelessness. Unchecked. That's what can happen. But aren't we thankful that we don't have to walk through this life, through these sorrows on our own, right? Because here's what happens. He's overwhelmed by bitterness until, now let's look at verses 21 through 23, until this I recall to mind. He had been recounting his afflictions over and over again, spiraling down into darkness until this I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, the Lord doesn't let this continue. The Lord meets him there in that place of sorrow and reminds him of something else. He reminds him of a bigger and more glorious reality over and above what his fleshly eyes can see. Because eyes of faith look beyond present circumstances. There's a new voice, a contrasting voice, something other than the voice of despair that he hears in his mind. There's hope. We were just singing Uh, In that last song, Oh, Praise the Name, it started off, I cast my mind to Calvary. What a great thing for us to have as a habit in our lives, to cast our minds to Calvary, to not just be focused on the darkness, but to be able to think about something else, a new voice. We cast our mind to the good things that God has done for us. The realness of the pain isn't minimized, but the writer of Lamentations is redirected to see past the pain. To focus instead on the Lord. Though the pain seems overwhelming, greater still is God's, it says, his steadfast love. His loving kindnesses never cease. They're unceasing. God's love is unceasing and relenting. Though the uncertainties seem to multiply. There's something new, it seems, every week that we're having to deal with that brings pain and confusion. God's mercies never come to an end. 
The promise here is that they are new for us. Every morning, we just sang in the song, it's all because of Jesus. Every sunrise sings your grace. What a great promise that God's mercies are new every morning. That every morning, we can wake up and remember the good things that God has done for us as we look past the present to see what God is doing with eyes of faith. Even though the world is crashing down around us and everything is different and changing, we can have faith to stand firm and hold fast to hope because hope grows in confidence as it's rooted in the faithfulness of God. That's where the writer of Lamentations ends up on this great phrase. We just sang it in the song, Your Grace is Enough. Great is your faithfulness, O God. That came from here, from the writer of Lamentations, stopping and recalling truth to his mind, and he remembered that hope comes from God's great faithfulness. I asked Dan to read uh, Romans 5 this morning. I want to um, read that again with you quickly. A couple of verses. Verses 3 through 5. Just to remind you of what it said. Romans 5, 3 through 5, um, says this. And not only this, but we exult or rejoice in our tribulations, our sufferings, knowing that the tribulation brings about perseverance, your Bibles might say endurance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the hope has been, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who is given for us. Here Paul says that the hope that you have is well-founded, You won't be embarrassed or let down, put to shame if you put your hope in the Lord because you've put your hope in a God who loves you. You've put your hope in a God who's for you. And this is what he wants for you. He wants to see you persevere or endure. And as we persevere through suffering, he's going to transform us and make us more like him. He's going to allow us to develop his character through suffering. And the result of our endurance and transformation is that we can have hope. And how does that happen? It happens when we choose the Lord as our portion. It happens when we choose the Lord as our portion, when we wait for him, and when we seek his face. Now we're going to look at verses uh, 24 and 25 back in Lamentations 3. Verses 24 and 25. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. The portion the writer chose, what he wanted more than anything in his, anything else in his life was to walk with God. The portion that he chose wasn't to cling to a city or to a profession to pass comfort or what he thought he deserved. The portion that he chose was God. Anyone or anything apart from God that we seek out can satisfy us for a season. But we know and we've seen from history that those things will let us down. But there's a portion that never fails. And that portion is God himself, and he's made himself available to us. The writer of Jerusalem watched the destruction, the writer of Lamentations um, watched the destruction um, of Jerusalem, and with it, you know, was tied his sense of security and his calling and everything that he was familiar with. Um, but that earthly city of Jerusalem was never meant to be his portion. 
That was a lower thing, a base thing. His portion was supposed to be the Lord. And we praise God that it was. That he was able to stand up and say, the Lord is my portion. See, the Lord wasn't the portion of the people of Judah. The Lord wasn't enough for the people in uh, the writer of Lamentations' time. They were being judged. They loved the tangibleness of idolatry. There's something about being able to, to see gods that for them satisfied something temporarily. They were judged because of idolatry. They loved the, um, the comfort that was afforded to them by their greed. They loved the power that they got from injustice. Those were the things that they valued the most in their lives. Um, and for that, God kept his promises and he gave them over to judgment. Even in his judgment, he was being faithful to do what he said he was going to do. But from that ruin, from that place of judgment, God isn't done. He hasn't cast off his people forever. He's still going to teach his people what it means to follow him and to walk in obedience. Um, From Babylon and after, we learn great stories of people who are choosing the Lord as their portion. People like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Nehemiah, and Ezra, and Esther. All of these people chose the Lord as their portion because they trusted that he was the one who could perfectly provide for their needs. When he's our portion, person, when he's our portion, when he's all we need, when we wait for him, and when we seek his face, he's going to prove his faithfulness. He doesn't have evil purposes towards us. He loves us. And because he loves us, we can trust him. We don't have to wonder about his intentions. He's proven himself for us over and over again. He's loving and he's kind and he's wise and he's trustworthy. And so we can wait for him patiently. Um, In 1774, a guy named William Cowper wrote a hymn called God Moves in a Mysterious Way. And uh, a couple of years ago, there was a a movement uh, in the church to take some of the old hymns and rewrite them with kind of a more modern sound. And that's that's how I'm familiar um, with this hymn. Uh, The Lord brought it to mind, and I wanted to encourage you with these words. Um, God moves in a mysterious way, says this. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are rich with mercy and shall break in blessings o'er your head. There are times that we can't harmonize God's frowning providence. Uh, The writer of Lamentations uses the word bitter, his bitter Providence. There are times that we can't harmonize this frowning and bitter providence with the, with the, the statements um, of his love. It seems too hard and it seems too difficult. Um, why would the Lord uh, give us that, give us these, these things to, to walk through? I've been thinking about that this week um, because of a letter that we got from Brent Ropp. Um, I don't mind talking about this now with you guys because Brent sent us, or he sent our church a letter explaining what was happening 
with him. And I put that letter in the newsletter and I put that, I put the letter from Brent in the newsletter last week. And then it's also available on our website, but he was let go from his job at Wycliffe associates. And it was something that um, he wasn't expecting. And it's something that he wasn't ready for. And it was something that he was confused by, but I took, I took such great encouragement from his letter because in his letter, he recognized that he didn't understand what the Lord was doing. Here was a, a, a bitter providence from the Lord, something difficult from the Lord. But Brent's commitment was to wait for the Lord. He said that he was going to stop and ask the Lord, why are you doing this? And, 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 and what do you have for us to learn from this? And he was seeking the Lord to know what the Lord was going to have for him in the future. And what a great example that is for us that there are times that we don't understand what the Lord is doing, but we have to have eyes of faith. Our circumstances are different um, from that of Judah, but the Lord who directs our lives with his sovereign hand, he's still the same. And what the writer of Lamentation said of him is still true today, that his faithfulness is still great. We can still wait on him and trust him and seek him and go to him and look forward to what he's going to do. We wait And we operate in faith because God's promised to complete the work that he started. We can pursue godliness and we can pursue faithfulness in the things that God has already called us to because we know that he's going to keep his promises. We can trust him through all of the difficulties. We can seek to know him more and that's what's going to help us turn our minds to him earlier. That's what's going to help us turn our minds to him first. We seek him first so that we don't get dragged down into despair, but so that we remember the great faithfulness of the Lord because he's not working aimlessly and nothing that he does um, is wasted. We know that he's going to remain faithful. He's done it in the past, hasn't he? We've seen him be faithful and I believe that he's going to do it again, that he can bring hope from despair. I believe that he can bring purpose from failure. He can bring strength from weakness. He can bring healing from sickness. He can bring perseverance in the face of uh, persecution. The writer of Lamentations didn't spiral into despair because he knew the Lord and he knew that the Lord would continue to provide for him. Let's go to uh, Lamentations 3 verse 26. He knew that the Lord would provide for his people and ultimately that the Lord would save them. Verse 26 says this, It's good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Hey, y'all, that's what the name Jesus means. Jesus means the salvation of the Lord. Everything that God was doing in the Old Testament story was an anticipation of the time when Jesus would come to this earth to live a perfect life and then to lay that life down for us on the cross, and then he would take that life up again on the third day, providing salvation for God's people. Jesus would suffer also. He would live a life of suffering, but not because of sins that he committed, but because he was going to take our place. And he's promised forgiveness to everyone who would put their trust in him. God's a faithful God. And he's a promise keeper. By him rising to life again on the third day, he's able to promise eternal life to all who would believe in him. We can be assured of that because he's faithful, but you should also be assured of this, that if you choose to reject God, there's only hell waiting for you. 
And God is faithful to keep his promises. And so don't reject him anymore. Recognize your sinfulness and your need of a savior. Know that God is going to keep his promises, that he will judge you in your sin, but you don't have to stay in your sin. You can repent and trust Jesus and come to saving faith in him. For those of us who have received him, let's lift up our heads no matter what we're going through, and know that God is trustworthy. Um, the writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews 10, 23, and, and this is in perfect harmony, by the way, with Lamentations 3. I love it when God's word comes together like this. Hebrews 10, 23 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, because he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we have, because he who promised is faithful. So let's go back to the beginning. Hope was found in what the writer knew about God, in the objective truth of who God is. And so we take these truths that we have learned because we've been seeking him. We've been filling our minds with his word. We take these truths and we meditate on them day by day and we seek him first so that we can know him. God has spoken And he's given us his precious and magnificent promises so that we can recall these things to mind. And as we recall these things to mind, God is going to help us grow in confident trust that he's at work in our world and he's doing things for our good and that he's doing things for his glory. Let's have a word of prayer this morning and ask that the Lord would help these truths to sink into our hearts so that we can respond to his great faithfulness. Lord, thank you so much uh, for the, the gift of your word, for the truth of your word that tells us about who you are. Lord, we've seen this morning, we've been reminded this morning that there's more uh, to this life than what we can see with our fleshly eyes. We've seen your loving kindness and your mercy and your faithfulness lifted up this morning, Lord, in this passage in Lamentations. And Lord, you are all of those things. You are all that we need. Lord, you are more than enough. Lord, I pray that we as a church family would seek you first, God, that your name and the greatness of who you are would be evident um, in the way that our church body worships and serves you. Lord, I pray that our families, that people would see the greatness of our God in our marriages and in the way that we interact with our children. Lord, I pray that individually, in the quietness of our hearts, God, Lord, we we pray Romans 5 right now. We pray, God, that in the face of whatever trial or suffering that we're going through, that you would give us the perseverance to endure, that you would give us strength. God, we know that you can do it. And Lord, we just pray that you would transform us more into the image of Christ, that we would be more like him that through our endurance that you would produce in us godly character, 
And God, because of godly character that's focused on you and on eternity, I pray that our hearts would just sing with hope and that the people in the world around us would just see how great you are. Lord, we just trust that you're going to do that work in our lives. And we thank you for the promises of your word that we can know, God, that you are going to complete the work that you've started.